Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Omar Khan. I met Omar recently at the Jake and Gino conference, and I'm excited to have him on. Uh, Omar, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Hello, everyone. Well, Gary uh, must have met me at the obviously met me at the conference, but I had heard of the legend of Gary Lipsky way before that. So I'm very appreciative that we did get to bump each other into this conference. Look, my background is like a lot of finance guys. I did the investment banking, corporate M&A sort of route. And my family's been in real estate. So I had a good, they're fairly financially sophisticated. So I had a good exposure to write-offs and all of that sort of stuff. And in late, middle 2018, I had a tax gain that I wanted to shelter, but I wasn't like thinking of going into real estate, but necessity is the mother of invention, right? So that happened. I had a good personal and professional network, did my first deal. And then like, you know, a lot of things that are you know, serendipity gets in the way, right? And, you know, good things happen. You put one foot after the other, you do one deal, then you do another deal. And I'm blessed to have good investors, good partners who both served as not just say investors as they hey, give me money, but also served as a great resource to bounce ideas off, to partner on future projects. And to give you an example, one of my really good investors, I'm looking, we're actually talking to the lawyers next week. We're actually looking to basically start a restaurant franchise with them as well. He's a very senior private equity executive. The point here is, look, you know, you put one foot after the other, you don't really have, like, at least in my mind, I didn't have this grand plan. And a few years later down the road, you look back and you're like, oh, that's pretty neat. That's a bunch of really nice things happened. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is so true. But you got to be in it to win it, and it, it starts where you start today. You know, you kick yourself by not starting earlier. I mean, I wish my parents talked to me about real estate when I was younger, but started where I started, and and once you get that ball rolling, it's it, it's fantastic. And yeah, you can only go forward. You can't go back in time, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, today let's talk about. What's on a lot of syndicators' minds and deals have been performing. You might hit your your five-year sales goals after year three. Maybe it's year two. I mean, we hit it on on a property after year one. So it's it's been a great time to be in real estate, but obviously you've got you've got decisions to make. Recap, refi, or or Damn. sell. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious what, what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, we discussed this because we we are going to... It, look, again, first of all, these are great problems to have. Let me just start by saying that. These are the problems you want to have, as opposed to other problems we deal with all the time. So in our particular case, we've got a couple of assets in Atlanta. One of them we refinanced. So we took our... I mean, we're saving something like 
God knows, like 50 grand, just an interest saving cost a month now going from a bridge to refinance agency loan, right? So that's phenomenal. Where investors are double digit cash. I'm like, I've got another asset, which is not that far away from that asset. And that's an interesting case study that we got it in COVID during middle of COVID or whatever you want to call it. And what's happened is that we're hitting our year five number by the 10th month, which is, I mean, I would like to say it's all me, but it's not all me. I would love for it to happen on every project. So basically what we plan on doing now, we're in a conundrum because we've got another couple of assets that are doing very nicely, and we're, but they're at various stages. Everything's at various stages, right? So what we wanted to do or think about, and we go back and forth on this is, look, we can sell it right now. And like a lot of syndicators show up 50%, 80% IRR. And on paper, at least it looks phenomenal, right? Because you got it and you got and got out in 10 months. But from the perspective of real wealth generation. Because if you get out that quickly, you're leaving a lot of money on the table, right? Because the whole idea of this isn't quick hits. The whole idea of this is look long-term, how do I make get the most amount of money for ourselves, right? So if we get out of the problem, if you do a quick sale on social media and our stats wise, you know, when we have a company deck, we look phenomenal, right? We look like geniuses. But wealth creation wise, it leaves a lot of money on the table. So the two options are, which are both on the table are refinance similar to what we did on that other Atlanta asset. We take it from a bridge to agency that refinance hit in cash flow. But the other asset, because we have a pool of these assets now, the other thing that I was doing while I was talking to a friend of mine is that we can even do a recapitalization where we take our existing set of investors, give them a very healthy return. So in effect, it's like a sale for them, right? So they got a very healthy return on their money. So they have less risk on the table because we return them their capital. They're out of the deal. We have a new investor coming in who's going to pay us the higher market value, but wants us to manage it and be a co-GP partner or a GP partner, they're an LP, right? And this way, we can continue to generate and create wealth from that asset, but each set of investors makes their money, they take their risk off the table, and they're never you know, exposed to long-term risk. Because that's the whole thing, right? With long-term wealth, the, the pro is, yeah, you get long-term wealth. The risk is, well, your money's tied up for too long, right? So it's a balance. And I really don't know if I have the right answer for that. And maybe I was thinking Gary could shed some light on it. What do you think? Yeah. So obviously, we're, we're facing the same thing. We got an offer on a property that was more than two times what we paid after 10 months. I mean, it was, it was a crazy offer. And we had just sold two properties earlier this year. And we don't want to be the operators just selling properties because you still have to find another property. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a hard thing. And, and certainly, once you find that property, then you can wipe out the tax gains through bonus appreciation and cost seg, or you do a 1031. Mm-hmm. But then the question also is time value of money. So if I can double our investors' money in a year or 18 months, whatever that timeline is, put them in another deal. And if I know I can do the same, am I at the end of 10 years, have I tripled their money in, in that time? Or have I, if I refi, the IRR goes down over time because the value add strategy has already been implemented. Yeah. And so it's only maybe 2X or, you know, maybe, maybe that's an example. Only example. 2X. So, you say it like it's a bad thing, Gary. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So that's something that you have to consider locking in, like you said, the gains and thinking about time value of money. But then you've got some of the older investors that have been doing this a while, they're in no hurry to sell. They want, let's not have a a tax event. Let's just refi and just infinite returns. And and I don't have to worry about doing new documents and and getting another deal, you know? 
So it's a tough one, right? I mean, we go back and forth on it. Obviously, this is an idea we have to flesh out a little more, but that that's that, that's the biggest thing on our mind right now. I mean, on how to basically thread this needle. Yeah, yeah. And and, and obviously, no one has a crystal ball. What's the market going to look like in, in two years and in, in four years? And I'm very, very bullish in the markets that I'm investing in. And I think there's still a lot more runway. So I'm going to be in the case of... I'll probably sell more often in, in a quicker time period. I mean, it's and, a cleaner way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a much cleaner way of doing it. But we wanted to basically, from our side as well, from our competition, look, we don't make any compensation if we recapitalize because all we're doing, it like as in the cash doesn't come to us, right? Whereas investors get the cash. In our case, we were like, all right, we are willing to take the risk that we'll roll in our share over the long term. And if the market turns, well, then we look pretty stupid with our share. But that's a risk I'm willing to take with my money. But either if I have the authority or if I have the willingness to make it with other people's money, because that's not my money. With my money, it's a different case. I can do whatever I want. So interesting problems. Anyways, you tell me what else has been your biggest asset management problem now that I'm interviewing you? We actually, one of our areas, one of our markets, we've had a lot of turnover. I mean, just like everyone that there's just labor shortages and hard to find good help these days. So it's set us back a little bit and it's just you training people up and, and holding them accountable and trying to get them to hit hit their mark, hit, hit our goals. So that's that's been something that we've been having to work through at one of our areas. Yeah, look, I, I had this problem with a bunch of my initial assets. And so far in the Southeast, because that's where I primarily operate, you're in the Southwest, right? So yeah. in the Southeast, basically, I'm using the same team over and over again. It's a third-party property management team, obviously, but I work closely, liaise closely with them. And what I found out is working with the same regional. And what I took is one of my managers, the on-site property manager, gave her a little bit more compensation, elevated her as like a floating PM. So she's still doing her job. But anytime I have a new property, She's basically the person who trains all the employees. So then the lag of getting people up to speed is significantly reduced. And look, she's happy. She's more loyal because in a way, it's kind of like a promotion, but also she gets more money. So her profile is also being elevated without necessarily her being a regional and getting in competition with the existing regional we have. Yeah. When you have good people that you can trust and and give them more responsibility, because it's that person, that regional manager is so, so important. And then if you have like a, a portfolio manager, like, like what you're kind of explaining, those are so important for your success. And if you're staying in the same markets too, that familiarity and that leverage that you can build is is really helps you out tremendously as, a, as an operator. Yeah. And I don't know, have you guys implemented this? That what I started doing religiously since last year, I mean, the base has reduced is that because for my set of reporting and what I want, some of this is, you know, you learn just by working with somebody. But what I've also started doing is every single time, if something that's going to be a repeatable task, I just record a video over Zoom, record myself doing that or my analyst doing that. We upload it to our training module section, link it in our Slack. So then there's a library there and then share it with whoever we want to share it. With the idea being that in the future, it's like a learning library, right? That just keeps expanding over a period of time. Yeah, we use Zoom to do that. Yeah. We don't... Yeah, yeah, so what is honest. Loom? So many people have shared Loom with you. So what, what's what's the thing with Loom? Sorry. So it's just the five minutes that you can record something. It's super easy to use. I mean, it's just it's just like Zoom. Same same thing. But I can be so on on Loom. I can go on to like Google Drive or wherever whatever thing I'm using and and share that and show them. Whereas Zoom, well, I guess you can share your screen. So it's just it's some some different. But you, okay, okay. But you do have five minutes. So okay, we do that. 
I could do it more often. I could be better at that. But yes, we, we, we like to do that. No, now anytime something is a repeatable task, we're like, look, it's got to be, you got to have a video, you got to link it, and then you got to share it. Because yeah. if it's not a video, then we're not even going to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And you have, if you force yourself, or at least your employees to do it, very quickly you start seeing that questions about, well, where's that thing? That question just goes away because they're like, look, if you haven't seen the video, can't help you out. You got to see the video first. So that really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are you seeing out there? You know, so if you're going to sell one of your properties, obviously you're going to be paying a premium for a property out there. Mm-hmm. So how do you combat that with, with your investors that now you were buying something previously, maybe it was a five cap and now you're buying something at a four cap. How do you work through that? Well, that's a good question because obviously I don't want to do it, right? And as I joke with a lot of my investors, some people might find it offensive. As an Asian person, I hate paying money for any single thing. Anytime I have to pay money, it just kills me from the inside. I hate spending money. So yes, it sucks and I hate it. But look, that's where the market is because a lot of this, as you know, Gary, is also linked with the rate of interest. Now, if you're getting financed at, like in our case, look, our agency loan for Equinox at night, the Atlanta property that I was telling about, which we refinance from bridge to agency, is 2.65%. I mean, geez, man, inflation is more than that, right? I mean, you know it. You don't have to be like a macro economist working at, I don't know, a government agency. So at, if you're getting financed at a re, in real terms, a negative interest rate, I mean, no shit. Prices are going to go up. That's just the way things are in life. So yeah, while I don't like paying more money for it, that's where the market is. And if the numbers support it, the numbers support it. Because you know, this the bulk of the work we do is we'll see 100 deals and 99.9% of them are no. So even in good times when the cap rates were 5%, it's not like you were saying a go ahead to like say 40% of the deals, right? So it's still the same thing. And you have to go where the market is because frankly, it's really funny. You talk to people and they're like, well, I'm just waiting for the market to correct. And they've been on the sidelines for five years. So it is what it is. Do I like it? No, but if the numbers make sense and if I can make a good case for it, then look, you have to trust the numbers, right? There's just no other way around it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, people that have been sitting on the sideline for five years lost out on probably 4x their money because they could have doubled their money twice during this. That, yeah, that and it's all like people say the one time and something goes down, then people are like, well, see, I told you. I was like, yeah, but you can't just say things are going to go down and be right once every 50 years. <laughs> I mean, even I can tell you something's going to go down on some topic that I have no idea about. Right. So in my idea, the numbers work, the data points in the right direction. We have an unfair advantage in terms of demand supply drivers. We've got a good team. We've got a good presence in the market. It's a go. And the reality is in multifamily, I mean, there's such a need for housing out there, particularly workforce housing. We're not keeping up with the demand. So no, no, we haven't been keeping up for the past 10, 12 years. So it's not yeah. just this year's demand. It's the pent-up demand for 10, 12 years that just keeps getting added over and over and over again every year. Yeah. So to me, it's a no-brainer. You've got stocks that can go down 50% because Elon Musk tweeted about something, or you have a, a, a good asset that over time is going to continually go up in value because you're able to push rents. You, there's high occupancy. So to me, find a good deal, which it, it, it's hard. But if you could find a good deal and the numbers work, this is this is a no-brainer. Absolutely. Look, I'll give you a simple example. The deal that I was talking about where we're thinking about recapitalizing, it's a mid-70s deal. Our market rents there are like 1380 or 1371. So you think about it. I mean, 
mid 70s deal is getting you rents that five years ago class A buildings were getting you. Right? I mean, what else are you going to say? Yeah. All right. Well, we could be talking for hours, but we try to kind of focus on one topic. But I ask all my guests, what is your asset management superpower? Oh, I think, and I'm I'm beginning many better. I think asset management is a test of organizational skills as opposed to some brilliant leap in, like, say, your intelligence. So you could be 100 times more intelligent, but if you're disorganized, you're going to suck. So in my particular case, it's being organized and getting better at it every day. So I run it through my CRM. Everything's on the calendar. In fact, my wife makes fun of me that she's like, yo, I don't have thought on the calendar. It doesn't exist in my life, right? So being organized and then following up. If you don't get a clear answer, having no shame in saying either some version of, can you rephrase that? I didn't get it till you don't get an answer, right? There is no shame in constantly just following up and being organized. But those are skills I'm developing. So I would say they are burgeoning superpowers. Well, hey, we, I mean, every day we, we, we get better at what we, what, what we do and, and learn from others. Things are constantly changing. So, yeah, I'm, to have that learning mindset is, is so important in, in yeah. what we do. All right. Well, thank you, Omar, for coming on the show. Really thank appreciate you. it. And, and sharing value. We're talking about refining versus selling and asset management. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. So you can go to our website, Board Walk Wealth, B-O-A-R-D, Walk Wealth. Right on the front page is an email opt-in form with your name. It's on the right side. With your name, email address, and how you found out about us. So click on the button below. I think it says get access now. You'll get an email. Click on the link to verify yourself. So Google knows I'm not spamming you. You'll be added to our distribution list. If you've got any questions, please email me, omar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. Awesome. All right. To all of our listeners out there, thanks for listening. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, please head over to our website and you can sign up for our, our ebook and newsletter. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great one. Thank you. Hey, everyone. If you like what you hear on my podcast and want to learn more, check out my Amazon best-selling book, Best in Class, How to Manage Your Multifamily Asset, Avoid Mistakes, and Build Wealth Through Real Estate. And if you want to take your learning to a whole nother level, register for my asset management course available on assetmanagementmastery.com. I'll share all the things that we do and many of our resources to help you become a best-in-class operator. Go to assetmanagementmastery.com and step up your game today. Today.